I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. Also powered by Pod Machine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. Okay, I want to start a business. What are the things that you need to start a business? You have to be smart. You have to know stuff about business. You need some money and you need to do something impactful. You have to do it well if you want your business to succeed. So for me, when I was in school, even from grade school, I always knew you have to do well in school. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beityong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are so excited. It's a brand new year, 2023. And of course, we got to get one of the most promising tech startups. I don't even know if that's the proper term, tech startup, media startup. Definitely one of the best ones to get the back scoop on every other podcast that's out there. But without further ado, Happy New Year's and welcome to the show, Amanda Kua of Back Scoop. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to the show, Amanda. 
Thank you, Ron. Nice to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And again, this is the first time I've gotten to record in our brand new podcast network, Asia Studios. And again, I'm glad it's going to be you. I've heard a lot about you. And it's, uh, I still remember the first time I got to see you in person with your baby pie. I was on crutches. I was like, I want to say hi. I want to shake your hand, but I'm going to probably lose my balance. I broke my ankle last year and it's going to be definitely one of those things I don't ever want to go back to. But again... I need to ask you. I'm going to shut up now. It's so much fun doing this in person again. My goodness. I need to ask you the million dollar question. Amanda, what's your hustle? I basically run Backscoop. It's a media startup that's focused on Southeast Asian tech and startups. Mm -hmm. We have our flagship product as the Backscoop newsletter. So www.backscoop.com. You'll see there the newsletter where we cover the latest news on Southeast Asian tech and startups. Mm -hmm. The basic idea there is it's so hard to keep up with Southeast Asian tech news because there's so much going on. So yep. many new startups, so many new funds, and just so many things going on. Yep. So to make it all convenient for you, we curate all of the most interesting news and put it all into one newsletter that you can read every morning in about five minutes. And then exactly. the rest of your day, you don't have to read any other news. That is amazing. And that's true. Again, Tech is booming everywhere, whether it's the Philippines and Southeast Asia. But again, one thing that's scarce across all of us that's in the tech space that consume or at least operate in tech space is time. What I love about Backscoop is it allows us to digest this frequently. With, with your cadence, I see that, oh my God, she's putting a lot of work into this. <laughs> so mad hustle for that and mad respect. But again, it's something digestible that I don't have to, I'm not intimidated and look at like shit. I'm going to have to invest an hour and a half's time like similar to what we do here in Hustle Share. but again it's amazing I gotta give you props for what you're doing but I need you to buckle up Amanda real quick alright because we're gonna have to do this the first time in 2023 because we're gonna have to ride the Hustle Share time machine alright there you go see this is up there in the park alright so again before you became Backscoop I want to get the Backliestcoop I don't know that's <laughs> I understand how you started out and whatnot. Because again, tech is not easy. And it's easy to get a lot of intimidation coming in because there's, again, there's sometimes the egos get overbloated and whatnot. And there's so much hype towards this. But I want to understand first your origin story, right? What was it like growing up? Because again, I'm looking at your LinkedIn. And it's a very, very interesting origin story that I'm looking at. But tell me the back scoop. Of your origin story. How was it like growing up? And what was the early hustles you had to do? I think for me, I'd always been involved in business in some way. Mm -hmm. So I remember my earliest memory of something sort of business related was Mm -hmm. there was a family reunion. Like, you know, every Filipino family has a family reunion like five times a year. Yep. And I had this. Why you're fat. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't remember how old I was, but I think Mm -hmm. I was maybe six, seven. And I remember I got a bag of chips. Okay. Then I found a jar of dip. And I decided that I'm going to put this all on a plate and then put dip on the chips and then okay. give it to my relatives and say they have to pay me two pesos for like <laughs> a, a handful of chips. Wow. That was, uh, that's probably my earliest memory. Okay. And like a bunch of other antics I did were, there was a time I was very into sort of like do it yourself. DIY stuff. Uh-huh. As a... Girl, you're into like all of these handicrafts. I'd make like soap, pastillas, all these random things. And then 
at one point I had this idea for like making bracelets. So I'd make these beaded bracelets. Okay. And I lived in a condo unit. So right. obviously at the bottom of the condo unit, there's this bulletin board for announcements yep. and advertisements and whatnot. And I decided to pay like, I think, 100 pesos. Okay. So I could put my own advertisement. I think I was maybe 8, 9, or 10 at this point. What? <laughs> and what I put there was um, bracelets for sale, custom okay. made. Wow. I think it was like 8 out of 10 grade school students like it. Nice. Like I Amazing. even had the like the social proof, right? But it right. was probably not the best. But mm. I think it's funny looking back that I even bothered to put something like, um, you know, 8 out of 10. Yep. Enjoy it. And then I put my contact details. Nice. If anybody wanted a bracelet. I don't think anyone bought but I think it was just fun for me to just put right. that up. And again, you knew how to get people's interest. Because again, it will come in handy down the road, right? And if you're flexing or if you're in the media business, we are in the attention economy. And that's our real estate. If you can't gather any type of attention, no matter what you do in life, right? Whether whatever content you put out there. But if people don't give a F about what you just put out, it's going to be good. Again, those are the early sightings of what you did. But let us fast forward a little bit to how you started out in school, right? So did you study school here? Because I'm looking at your LinkedIn and you studied in China, right? But what was studying pre-China? Did you study here? What was that like? Yeah, I studied here in the Philippines from kindergarten onwards. So never left the Philippines. I went to China for summer school nice. mm-hmm. i wanted to learn about chinese language chinese culture oh. so one of those trips was like a scholarship trip where i got to stay in china for three months mm-hmm. and you know it's basically immersing right. yourself in china you have to learn the language because you have all these classes you're segregated mm. into how good you are like you're in a different class if really? you're really bad you're in a different <laughs> class if you're really good wow and we would have these activities so it's kind mm. of really like school but just in the summer and you're in china and i took it seriously mm. i don't know why other people signed up, but yep. I was such a nerd for like learning Chinese language. So that's why I went. Nice. So what what was it like? So a lot of people that, again, sometimes it's called an exchange program or whatnot, but there's something about being young and going out of your comfort zone and you're forced to be an adult for either a prolonged period of time or a year or three months, whatnot. But anything that puts you outside of your comfort zone that where you're forced to grow up, and see other perspectives in life and you see how a different standard of how people operate in, just 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 a life-changing thing that happens. For you in China, what were the things that were indelible in terms of really understanding not just the culture, I guess, but how people operate there, especially at a time where China until now is still booming from what they once were 20, 30 years ago. So the first time I went to China, that was 2015. Mind you, when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time watching news on TV. Mm-hmm. So there's this story from when I was a kid. I saw in the news that there was this headline, like there's poison in Chinese items. So oh, for I yeah, think six yeah. months, I told my friends, I'm not touching anything from China. Like <laughs> all the toys I had that were from China were in a box Sino-phobia because I didn't want right to touch there. any of it. I was mm-hmm. afraid because I saw the news. Okay. I think that's sort of early inkling that I was very attached to media in a sense. Right. It very much affected me because my parents really had to at some point lie to me at what was not made in China because sometimes you can't like avoid some of them, right? Yeah. And so I was coming from that perspective where, you know, growing up in the Philippines, you only see like what's on the news, what you read in the books. Yep. And for me, China was this place where, you know, obviously I learned that, you know, not everything in China was bad yep. at some point later on. Mm-hmm. But things I did think about China based on the news were like oh, people spit here and there. Um, there's like smog and all these other things. Yep. 
But when I went there in 2015, because I did want to… city, by the way? I stayed in Beijing in 2015. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. When I went there at the time, it was to learn the language and I had no idea what it would be like there. Okay. But when I went there, it's not like everyone was spitting everywhere. It was not like that at all. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell the difference in the smog. Like, I can't say it's worse than Manila. So <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, this place is uh-huh. much better than, you know, what they show on the media. Yep. And I think the experience there allowed me to sort of realize that, look, things are not always as they seem. And there's always like a different story. You have to see it for yourself. Try to dig into it yourself. Mm. And I think being very young in a different country also allowed me to have that sort of time and space to think about, okay, what are the things that I actually like? Mm -hmm. What decisions do I have to make for myself? Like, sure, it's a very micro thing, but I think at, how old was I? 13, 14? Wow. You know, you have your own budget. You can't spend all of the money in China in like the first week. You have to survive. Mm -hmm. You have to get along with people that you maybe weren't friends with for yep. the first time. I, for the first time, I had roommates mm-hmm. that I didn't really know so well. And, you know, you're exploring everything in a new place. Right. And everything is totally different. Different language, mm-hmm. different rules, different kinds of safety. And I think that was a very eye-opening experience for me. Right. And that's why I went again the second year. Not just because I wow. wanted to keep learning the language. Mm-hmm. But I think I got really hooked on that experience of like, you go somewhere new. And you sort of realize a lot of things about yourself and the world around you. Mm -hmm. And I think you come out of it with a deeper knowledge or understanding of who you are. Mm -hmm. At least it was like that for me. Got it. But just doubling down on what you just said about learning something about uh, yourself. At a young age, in your teens, that's very formative. What did you develop over those two trips that you were there for coming back? And what did you do with those learnings when you came back here? I think it's less of the trips themselves, I think. When I was growing up, I actually spent a lot of time asking myself, like, what do I want in my Mm. life? I think I was a bit different from other people in that sense. Like, I was always asking my parents, like, if I take this degree in college, is that a good degree? Uh Well, maybe my friends were not really so much into thinking about those things. I actually was. Mm -hmm. But I think the experience in China, what I take from that experience is really that there is always a different story that you have to experience yourself. And find out for yourself beyond what, you know, the news tells you or what other people tell you. That's amazing. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me. Because I was really blown away by how different China was when I went there. Mm -hmm. Versus what I was seeing in the news and what I was, you know, hearing from other people. And that's not just something about China. It's about anything. Yeah. Any other country, any other person's story. You have to look at it and experience it yourself. And you'll realize that maybe there is something else that was overlooked or was misunderstood. That's very amazing. At a young age, for you to have that perspective is very, very, again, uh, it's rare now. At the people, especially your age, I don't know how young you are. But I'm 20 now. 20, oh my God. <laughs> Bless to me. I am 30 part. Okay, I'm your Tito Runster. But here's the thing. You gotta now understand at that point where you come in, you're that young, where the vast majority of our, our populace is easily manipulated by whatever triggers of short-form content that they see through TikTok, Facebook, whatever the hell that is. And they operate as if everything that they see, they don't have the ability to critically think things over, right? And see what are facts. And again, I love consuming content of this uh, content creator named Johnny Harris, right? And what you want to have to have the ability is to really weigh if things are correct or not. And what you always look for are facts on the ground. Yeah. With that experience, I can already tell 
that whatever perspective the whole Western world or whatever world is painting about China is obviously a skewed view of what the facts are. Now, going back here, you come in and you've always asked yourself what you wanted to do. When did you start finding that path that led you towards what you're doing now? Because at 20 years, there's a whole lot of things ahead of you now. I'm pretty sure if you're 20 now, you're going to be a guest here often. <laughs> right? I want to see that evolution through the years. Man, I feel old saying that, by the way. But <laughs> I want to understand from that point of view, did that start painting the picture for you over what you wanted to do? with that question lingering in your mind? I think it was really a question I had, not really because of the trip. I think the trip sort of made that question more strongly appear in my mind. But I think from a young age, because I was always reading. So I was actually, one of the things about me, if you knew me when I was young, I loved to read. I would read like textbooks. Like young compared to now. (laughs) Like when I was in like um, third grade, I would read like stacks of books uh, a week. And my favorite place was like fully booked. The bookstore. Mm. I would love it there. Nice. But I would read a lot of novels, both fiction and nonfiction, usually a bit more advanced for my age. And I think the protagonists were, it was, I think there were lots of coming of age novels that I read at a young age that made me think, okay, these people in this book, they're going to college, they're going to study this, they're doing this career. So I think that helped me also think for myself, like, oh, if these people in the book have this career or this future for themselves. Maybe mm. I have to start thinking about that nice. for myself, right? And at third grade, you're thinking about this shit. I think it started third grade onwards. Like, <laughs> it started from there. Believe it or not. I'm thinking about Pokemon at third grade. Right? <laughs> I just want to share. I also like Pokemon at the same time. But I was really like a nerd yeah. um, reading books. And I think I also consumed a lot of content on the internet. Mm. So I think those two, like the Britain books and the internet, And seeing that made me think about like, okay, what's the career that I want for myself? Wow. And I never really knew what it was. So I would always ask my parents, like in, I think it started fifth grade when I started asking them, okay, in college, what if I become like somebody who takes marketing as a degree or takes like business management? Is that something good? Is that something bad? What can I do? And I would ask them that regularly until like, I think seventh grade when I decided I wanted to take economics. Seventh grade? Yeah, seventh or eighth grade, I decided I want to take economics or like business. One of the two. And my dad told me, why don't you just become an engineer? Uh, But I said, I I don't want to be an engineer. So Uh I'll just stick to like economics or um, business. So I think at like grade seven, I already knew that at some point in my life, I'm going to start a business. Nice. But I wasn't sure what my path would be. I don't know if I'm going to work first or I'm going to start something from scratch right out of college. I didn't know, but Mm -hmm. I just knew somewhere in the future, I'm going to start a business. Got it. When did that inkling get planted into your mind? Did this get exposed to you because your family had a business? Is this something that you observed or is this just out of nowhere? It's like, you know what? I'm going to do business. This is the path. I don't know when that's going to be, but obviously hindsight being 2020 now, you started doing it very early in your life. But is this something that you've learned and what are the things that I guess you've learned as you get got exposed to it? I think there were lots of businesses that I saw on the internet. Like the news is full of businesses, right? Yeah. And one of the things I did a lot when I was much younger, 
like in grade school, I would ask mm-hmm. my parents about what I saw in the news. Like, what is this company? Mm-hmm. What's happening in this country? So you're really generally curious. Yes, my parents would be so annoyed because they'd be driving. <laughs> and driving is very difficult, right? right. And tita-tita, look at that curiosity. Now it's a business of one of the top media startups in the in Southeast Asia. So don't get mad anymore. Okay, it ended up well. I don't <laughs> think they were mad, mad. But I think at that point when you're really frustrated with traffic and then yeah. I'm asking you like, Questions about politics, um, <laughs> business, and like the whole world. Like what's happening with like, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it was Google back then. Yeah. I don't think you have the brain power to like Yep. There's a already. They just want to go home. They just want to go home. <laughs> and I'm just asking them like, why this? Why that? And right. I think my favorite question back then was like always why. I think it still is. Uh-huh. I think that was one of them. And my family has always dabbled in some businesses, like small businesses on the side. Okay. My parents were both working at companies when I was growing up, but then they would tell me about like businesses of people that they knew, businesses that they thought were good. And my grandfather ended up starting his own business later on. So people would really share about business and I'd always ask like, okay, what does the business do? How does this person that you know Mm -hmm. um, handle the business? How much do you think it like makes? What's the impact? What's hard about the business? I'd always ask. So I think I was always exposed somehow to different kinds of people's businesses, whether Mm -hmm. it was on the news, whether it was personal anecdotes or something like that. So business was always there in the back of my mind as exposure from everyone, everything. Yeah. All right. Now, last question. We take our first break. So with all this curiosity, again, so surprised of how young you started out. Because again, at that age, I was just dicking around in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But at that age... How did you take it seriously towards this path that you're in? Again, very still very early in your life, but you've done great work already. I did not even think that you were just 20 years old. Oh my freaking God. <laughs> but how did that become a serious thing? If you were decided early on that this business is going to be for you, how did you start you know, inching closer to, to that path? I think for me, it was, okay, I want to start a business. Yep. What are the things that you need to start a business? You have to be smart. You have to know stuff about business. Yep. You need some money to mm-hmm. start a business. And you need to do something impactful. You have to do it well if you yep. want your business to succeed. So for me, when I was in school, even from grade school, I always knew you have to do well in school. So mm. I was not the valedictorian. I was not the one who aced every test. But I was somewhere there. Yep. I was one of the good ones, but Upper never the percentile. best. Yeah. Yep. Throughout grade school to high school. And all I wanted was, okay, I'm going to graduate from high school, go to a college where I'm going to be very challenged, learn a lot, meet different people who may be people that I might possibly work with. And then at the end of that, I hope I have the knowledge, the network, the skills to either land a really good job after graduation or to start a business after graduation. And where did that take you? Well, it took me here. That was my plan up until I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. But then, as you know, in 2020, the pandemic happened. And that was the year I was supposed to graduate from high school. What? 2020? Yes. (laughs) High school. Oh my God. All right. And then what did you do? And then to me, I had this equation in my mind. Like you have to have the skills. You have to really learn. You have to have a good college experience where you meet people. You get that knowledge. And then you graduate ready and equipped with everything, right? But then I told myself, okay. If going to a good college is what's going to take me to where I want to go next, which is Mm. to get a good job or start a business, how am I going to get that over Zoom? That was the question I had. Like, you're not going to really learn. How will you like make friendships and develop your network online? Yeah. And like, you're going to pay so much money for what? Right. 
And I'm also a nerd. So I told myself like, apart from the skills that you're going to learn in college, I'm not going to enjoy the learning experience on Zoom yeah. as somebody who really likes to learn. Yeah. So I told myself, okay, what do I do about that? And so I decided to take a year off. So I took a gap year wow. instead because I told myself, okay, maybe after one year, this pandemic is over. Maybe there's no more COVID or right, maybe right. after a year, we're all like dead. But I'd rather <laughs> spend that year not in Zoom classes, right? right? So might as well just take the gap year. And I think it felt like the financially smart decision as well at the time yep. because there was just so much uncertainty and why are you going to pay so much money if, you know, you don't even know what, if what you're learning on Zoom is going to translate into anything. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. But that takes a lot of brevity. Again, just also, not just brevity, just goes to show how, how much clarity you had at a young age. Because again, a lot of, you know, 19, I mean, teen somethings or tweeners right now are just very, very even like confused over what they even want to do. But you had that clarity straight on and you knew what to do with that. I'm not saying I did this, but one of the first things, just hindsight looking at what I did, it took me a lot of failure. And again, like I almost had a career turn because all I ever wanted to do when I was your age, like 18, 19, 20, was to be a basketball player, right? And then I realized, shit, that's not even going to work. And I was dicking around in school too much, almost that I failed the only subject that only I failed. Which is math. Oh my God. Algebra. <laughs> I'm embarrassed by this, but it opened my mind to then, hey, you got to take it seriously and you got to find out what, what that would be. Where that led me was to work in a call center. And this is how I learned my life skill. Just if I did not sound like this, Amanda, you will not talk to me. Right? So, <laughs> so I had to learn that and I realized like, holy shit, my skill or my gift is really the ability to talk. And I just needed to double down. But I did not have your confidence i was very unsure of myself and i was you know i was just a shell of what i am now obviously time gives you that confidence but mad props and i'm very curious to hear how you built that up and how that eventually led to backstreet but let's take our first break and when we come back let's talk about how that turned into backstreet but let's talk about that more after the break there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. 
calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Amanda Kua, who then was just very curious to then said it's just going to be a gap year. But turned out it's not going to be a gap year. It turned out to be a startup. What I want to understand now, so gap year, most people are just confused at this age, right? Uh, people shit on a lot of Gen Zs. I probably am guilty of it, right? Because people are, sometimes the generation is, you guys are the most gifted that I've ever seen. But that brevity and the ability to persist Certain obstacles is what's questionable at first. Again, not shitting on anyone, just saying that I've seen a pattern. But here you are, very headstrong, knew what you really wanted in life, straight out of high school, and you want to take a gap year. And you knew what you wanted. And that's a gift because most people don't know that. And even, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this. There's a study by Prim Paipon. I don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere over 90%. That m- Over 90% of Filipinos... So 90-something percent do not have a dream or ambition. It's like, shit, hard. And me, I was just very driven over what I really wanted, which is why it, the reason why I went to the call center and whatnot was to buy my mom a house because I knew how much, how difficult life was. That was my biggest why. But for you, you were headstrong underneath that. Was there a deeper why, Amanda? Because I want to understand that it's hard to persist if it's just pure curiosity. There's got to be another layer to that. What was that? I think there are a mix of factors. So I'm ethnically half Chinese. Uh So my great-grandfather came to the Philippines on a boat, I think. Mm -hmm. And he started from nothing. Long story short, he had to leave China because it was not very safe. So he started here from zero. And then he just built his way from like having no money to like being able to just like live and stay in the Philippines. My family at that time did not, you know, didn't come to the Philippines with much. And then we were able to, you know, make a life here. And I think hearing that story of, you know, being able to start from nothing and not become extremely wealthy, right? But at least like you come to a country with nothing, like literally nothing in your hands. And then just like meet up with whatever relative that you had here, find a job. And I think from finding a job, he was sent by his boss to create like a subsidiary store, like a branch, a new branch, right? So he like took it step by step to build his own life here. My great-grandfather... And, you know, be able to have a family here, send them to school here, etc. And then my parents work very hard as well. They were both not from like the capital city at all. They made a living here to give us a good education here in the capital of the Philippines, which is, you know, much better than schools than schools in the province, right? Because you get to send your kids to quality education where you can learn English, you can learn Filipino. And then I was first sent to a school where we learned Chinese as well. So right. I felt like 
compared to where my family started, I was much more privileged than them. Yep. And I thought, I think one of those things was the thought that, okay, if they could do something like my great grandfather come to the Philippines and nothing. Yeah. And then actually like make a life, make a living from zero. Mm-hmm. I have a roof over my head from the moment I was born. I have a good education. Mm-hmm. And so what does that say? That means I can achieve much more than he could have achieved, right? So I think that mindset was always ingrained in my head. Like you are much more privileged than your ancestors. Yeah. So that means that you can actually achieve much more. Yeah. I think that was one thing. It was never pressure. I think it was just something I learned to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also a belief that, you know, if you could see if it's true that somebody could start a living from zero, yeah. then you can definitely start a great career, mm-hmm. a great business, especially if you're not starting from absolutely nothing. Correct. And I think other things that influenced me were being able to indulge my curiosity. Yeah. My parents were never tiger parents. Okay. So while my dad was Chinese, mm-hmm. he was never a tiger dad, nor was my mom a tiger mom. Okay. In any form. They would never say you have to get these kinds of grades. They never say you have to do ballet. You never have to do X, Y, Z. Right. They let you be. They let me be. And sometimes okay. they actually didn't tell me what to do. And That's I think good. that was a nice thing for me mm. because I could just do what I wanted, right? Right. And lucky for them, I wanted to get good grades. I wanted to explore. So growing up from kindergarten onwards, right. there was an activity at school. Usually these are free activities. I just try it and join different clubs. Outside of school, some events. The school wants somebody to represent. I'll volunteer. I would do all of these like random things like from dancing for an event, singing for an event, speaking for an event to like joining math competitions when I didn't really think I was qualified. Yeah. I got to do them. And what was nice is that my parents were supportive. Like whatever random thing I was doing. Sometimes they can't help, right? But the least they could do was maybe send me to school on that day so I could join. That's great. And they never really passed judgment on like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Yeah. But they would pass judgment on like, okay, just make sure that you can focus on the things that really matter to you. Right. I think at time where I got to explore was really good for me mm-hmm. and got me to develop like an understanding of like um, what I really wanted to do. So I didn't enjoy dancing, for example. Okay. I enjoyed the things that were related to business and economics in school, the things related to social sciences. And I think when you have experiences where you get to do a lot of things and realize what you want you can develop that further conviction in your curiosity mm-hmm. and that allows you to sort of move forward because Absolutely. you know what you like and you know what you don't like and there are no regrets because you know what you don't like and you can like leave that behind and you can move forward with the things that you like yeah and you had nothing to lose at the end of the day you're now just again doing like a a short list of things you don't like and where you excel at and because it's usually just a mixture of things that you like and you're good at that you eventually follow through and then you just do more of that but again just just stepping back a little bit what i'm super super impressed of what you you've been able to do is you understand the legacy of your where you stand on top of because sometimes that's what's missing right we don't realize that okay in life you're only given a certain number of chances Right, we all have rooms for mistake. Don't get me wrong, but what young people usually don't understand that all right, whatever we have now was built on top of somebody else's hustle. That hustle required sacrifice, pain, and everything else. Not because of anything, just because we are their children. They're trying to give us a better opportunity, and most of the time we take that for granted. 
But you understood that very well. I understood that the same way as well. My mom's single mom. My uh, grandma, my mom came from a very poor province in northern Samar, right? And again, life was really hard. That's easily one of the poorest countries. So now, not countries. Province, not a country. It's not a country. Samar is not a country, Ronald. <laughs> are you talking about? Maybe yeah. you're the president of Samar. No, 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 no. <laughs> I am not. I no, I no longer represent. I don't live there. But I, I'm very close to my family. But again, I understood that. And I didn't want to waste that opportunity because they under, uh, my mom also ingrained to me that, you know what? Everything that you have now is something that I, again, all my grandma, me, had to pay for. And you had the balls, figuratively, to really push pursue. Now let's talk about that gap year again. You said you want to take a gap year. What did you do next? Because you have that curiosity and you wanted to learn. And you understood that the best way to learn is by doing, not just by listening behind the Zoom or doing modules or whatever the hell that would be. What did you do next and how did that lead you to do Backscoop? So with the gap year, I think people think that I went to the gap year, like knowing exactly what next steps I was going to take. And the truth is, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I was actually pretty devastated when I picked the gap year. I don't think people know that. Because think about this. All my life, my short life from (laughs) primary school to to (laughs) high school. (laughs) You say your life like what that? All my life, my short, very, very short 18 years of life at that point. I was spending that time like studying a lot. I would spend literally like breaks, lunch break, Mm -hmm. free time just studying. And I was doing a lot of things outside like extracurriculars because I thought that you know, one, I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed these extracurriculars. But two, also because like I wanted to go to a good college. Mm. Because I thought that you go to a good college, you're setting yourself up for success in some way yep. because you'll get a good job or get to start a business. Mm. And for years, that yeah. was the plan. And I thought it was foolproof. I mean, you're going to end up going to college if you study hard, right? Yep. But for me, the foolproof plan was suddenly not foolproof after all Foolish. because of the pandemic, <laughs> right? It's like, who knew? Like, who could have predicted that the pandemic would happen and yeah. it would not seem like the smartest decision to go to college at the time? Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't get to learn. And so, therefore, like, okay, if I don't get to learn properly, if I don't get the skills, what if for four years we're just learning on Zoom? Then maybe I won't get a job. Then maybe I can't start that business. Yep. So I was like, okay, that was the path that I had set in my mind. So what are the alternative paths? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. All I knew was that I should take this gap year. And find something to do. Okay. So I took the gap year. Was really sad, honestly, because I was like still pretty upset that the pandemic had to ruin my plan. Uh But after two months of sort of soul searching, soul searching as in like reflecting what are the things actually, I actually had to step back. I think backtracking. So when I started the gap year, I was very upset because I didn't know what next steps to take apart from having to take the gap year. Okay. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to figure out what to do next, I have to go back to the basics. So I would ask myself, what are the things I would like to do? What are the things I want to do in the future? And how do I connect those things and find out what I should be doing now? So I would take Coursera courses. I saw people like on LinkedIn or like on Facebook groups that were doing careers or working I mean, who had their own careers in certain sectors that I was interested in. And I was just doing that every single day. I would take some Coursera course. I tried data science. I tried like business. I tried finance. I also looked through Facebook groups. So there were times when like I found different people, like a professor in a field that I found interesting. And um, 
I think at some point I found these Filipinos who were working at Apple, like a group of them, what? and I messaged them. <laughs> and I think I had one call with them. Wow. And then long story short, I realized, okay, I actually want to be into tech. Mm. Because I remember that I did some hackathon before and I found that really, really fun. Nice. So how do I get into tech? And I was like, okay, maybe I'll learn to code. So I was doing this Coursera course where I was learning to code. I hated it. Uh-huh. So as a nerd, I tried my best to do it well and understand it. I could not understand. <laughs> I was so upset. Like, how could studying yep. fail me now? Yeah. And one week later, I saw this news article that said there's this Filipino startup that teaches people how to code in yep. 12 weeks. And I was like, well, I am struggling to learn how to code. Okay. And these people are going to teach me how to code in 12 weeks. And they have teachers. So I'm not going to have to tell myself, oh, this lesson online is not teaching me. This Coursera course is not teaching me. Because I can yeah. ask the teacher. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is the foolproof plan. This is my next path to what I want to achieve. And yep. then when I saw that in my head, I already pictured it. I'm going to learn how to code. <laughs> and after the 12-week course, yep. I am going to be able to maybe work at a startup or build an app of my own. Maybe yep. I can make a cool app. Maybe not be Mark Zuckerberg. Maybe be Mark Zuckerberg. Who knows? Yep. Now I was just set on going here. And then on top of that, the job security was also there. If I learned to code and then went to college the next year and graduated with an economics degree, everyone would want to hire me. Absolutely. So I was like, this is foolproof. So I applied to the course. They accepted me. Okay. And I ran into the same problem. I couldn't code for my life. I was still <laughs> so sad again because even with people around me who I could ask and who could help me, yeah. I still couldn't learn to code. Man, okay. And that that startup that was teaching people to code was Abian School. Yep. And at Shout that out. point, <laughs> and at that point, I was like, okay, I'm gonna give up because maybe uh-huh. this is not the path for me after all. Okay. And if this is not the path for me, I have to quickly get back on track. Right. So I should quit this and then find what I have to do next. Mm-hmm. So I asked the founders, like, hey, can I quit the course? And then they say, like, okay, you can quit the course because you don't think you can learn to code and it's really hard for you. But if you want, maybe you can work here instead. And I was like, hmm, well, I have nothing else to do anyway. So might as well work here. That solves my problem. Right. Because I get to learn how to code. I mean, not get to learn how to code. I get to work at a startup, which is what I wanted to get into. Nice. And these people actually wanted me. Like Uh my struggle was that I couldn't find an internship as well because of my high school degree. Nobody wanted to take me. Now, these people wanted me, a high school graduate, to join their company. As the first employee. And I was like, okay, sure. I had no idea what I'd be doing. I had no idea if they knew what they wanted me to do. And I had no idea how long I'd be working there. But I just said yes. Because literally, I had no other things to do. All right. Now, when you got there, what was the experience like? Because again, you were brokenhearted. You tried Coursera. You tried being a student. Now, you're here trying to be part or employee number one. And is it employee number one? Yeah, it was employee number one. Oh, my God. So... That's founder-like shit you're going to be doing, right? What was that like? And what was then the stuff that you had to do? And how did that lead to Backscoop? The first thing was when I signed, like I signed on to be their first employee, I did not tell my parents I was working at a startup with only two other people apart from me. <laughs> I did not tell my parents. Okay. I just told them, hey, I got an internship. Nice. Um, and these people want me to work with them. Yep. And they got funded by the co-founder of Tinder, Justin Mateen. So yep. my parents were like, okay, that sounds good. Like, Go on your way. And then I would work from home, obviously, because it was the pandemic every single day. And truth be told, that was when they only had like their first or second batch. Like they were super duper early. And there wasn't really anything much to do at the start. 
So I was just reading all the documents, I was learning all about codes. I basically just tried to understand the company inside and out. Wow. I'd learn like what are all these coding languages that they're teaching? What are the names? Mm-hmm. Why are they relevant? And then the tasks came on as time went on. I had different tasks as time went on because the company was slowly growing. Okay. I think after two, three weeks, my first big task came to me like this. Um, one of the founders messaged me like, hey, you want to do a bigger task this time? Right. Like instead of like reading the documents, messaging people. Right. I was like, okay, I'm kind of scared because I don't really know what working at a job is like because this was my first job. <laughs> yeah. But one of the bosses tells you, do you want to take a project? Of course you say yes. Yep, you raise your hand and you, you trudge on. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. And then um, he told me, so we have a coding boot camp right. and we're teaching people how to code. Mm. But you have to find people to hire them. And okay. right now we have zero hiring partners, no company partners at all. It's your job to See. find at least 30 of them in the next one month. And oh I was my like, God. Oh my God. I've never sold a thing in my life like to like real clients. Like remember my only experiences were like, Selling yeah. people chips for two pesos when I was a kid. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I have to learn. And I had that tight deadline. One month, 30 partners wow. to an 18-year-old who had never worked at a proper job before. Yeah. So I learned everything from like cold email, etc. To taking all of those calls with hiring managers, CTOs, CEOs. It was mm. the scariest thing ever. I remember mm. my first call. I was literally shaking beside oh my, my laptop and <laughs> waiting right. for the guy to join on Zoom. Yep. And when he joined, I almost like screamed because I was so scared. <laughs> oh, man. And because I think for me, I mean, uh, I was very, very aware of who I was. It's like, is everyone going to see through me and know that I'm like 18 years old? And like, how will anyone sign on to whatever I'm selling them on? Wow. Because I'm an 18 year old. Like, I wouldn't even believe myself if I was selling something to myself, much yeah. less like trying to sell people engineers to take into their team. Yep. But long story short, in one month, I think I got 40, 50 what? partners. Are you kidding me? Wow. Because I love deadlines. Like, nah. I, I feel like I have like competitive spirit. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that, by the way. I love deadlines. <laughs> I love deadlines like that. I think I have a oh, competitive spirit. So when they yeah. said like, okay, you have to hit like 30, yeah. 40, you have to hit 30 in one month. I was like, I can't let these people down. I have to do it. So right. I found every single way to... Right. To get hiring partners. I didn't get fake companies, of course. These are legit people. But I just tried everything I could for that one month. And so I worked at Avian School for one year. Okay. When I started, I was the only full-time employee. And I was the first employee. Mm-hmm. And I told you my first tasks were, you know, basically trying to understand the company. Doing yep. whatever they told me to. Then my first major task was that sales thing. Mm-hmm. By the time I left. Around a year after, I had learned a lot of things. So I did B2B sales, as I told you. Nice. S- signing on different company partners to hire engineers. I think I brought in around 140 by the time I left. What? And then what I'd be doing is I'd match these companies to our engineers. I'd email them with referrals. Yep. And then I would also take you know those sales calls, find more partners, get them to sign on. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, I was doing customer success, aka student success, because we were a school. Right, right. I helped um, design the admissions process. So I'd be with the students from the moment they they sign up on the form mm-hmm. up until they get into the course and then follow them until their entire journey up until the end where I would teach them like, what are the tips and tricks to wow. interviews, getting hired? How do you fix your resumes? How do you present yourself? I teach them all of that. So I actually had like classes where I was teaching the students this stuff. Nice. And I would also work on the side, like making the resumes, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So basically anything outside teaching them to code, I was helping them with. 
And apart from that, the last oh. thing I did was growth and marketing. So those were the wow. three things that I learned there and was handling there. It was a great experience because I got to see the growth of a company from, you know, an MVP, a very yeah. early stage. To something, you know, not mature yet, but I got to see that growth and how it was super manual, super different, mm-hmm. and how much time and effort it needed. And yep. how it sort of taught me the thinking of like, what is an early stage startup like? What do you have to do? Yep. And that was very unique. Um, it's definitely as close to being a founder as I could get. Yep. That's founder like shit. Absolutely. Right. And at that point, then you have, you're coming in, here we go again, you have your competitive by nature. And you've racked up skills. We call it a skill stack, right? Sales, customer success, marketing. These are lifelong skills. And if that's your foundational skills, everything on top of that is just gravy because it never grows old, right? Yes, you don't know how to code, but the next best thing that you can learn is to learn how to freaking sell, right? Yeah. That's my skill stack, right? And again, you then turn this into your own startup. How did you go from this skill stack to then, because sales, again, most salespeople that I know love communicating in any form or fashion, whether it's writing, whether, me, yeah, obviously, can you guess what I like to do, right? <laughs> I love fucking talking. I can do this forever. But how did you then turn that into the idea of doing back scoop? What was the inspiration and how did you decide it? All right, I'm doing founder like shit here in Avion. It's time for me to be the founder now. Because most people, most people that I've had here in Hustle Share, take several iterations of that, right? Before they take that jump. You took this jump very early, 19, 20 years old. Oh my God. And you did well. You got funded by Buco Ventures and all that, right? And we'll talk about all of that stuff. But what was the turning point that led you to that? All right, let's do it. I don't think I ever really intended to start something this early. It was really a process. So when I took that gap year, I was meant to spend one year doing something meaningful, Mm -hmm. then reapply to college, Mm -hmm. and then go to college, right? I think for me, when I was at Avian School, I learned that, you know, the building process was what I really love. I love that process of going zero to one. I Mm. love figuring things out, building different things one by one, learning new things all the time. Yep. Being exposed to different things all the time. I Mm -hmm. enjoy that so much. And I realized, okay, I love startups. I think this is what I want to do after college. But I'm already here. (laughs) And I thought like, you know, when you're in school, you think that the only path is going to college and going from there. And that was what I really believed in myself. Like the best path you can take is go to a good college, get a job, and then start your own thing. Yeah. But then I got proven wrong. Because Mm. I was able to land a job as an 18-year-old and I wasn't getting fired. I was still doing well. And some people at some point were trying to hire me too. So I was like, I'm clearly on the right path. And I was just so surprised. Like there is something like another path, an alternative path for me to take to get to the same place that I want to be. Maybe even faster and maybe in a better way. So I told myself, okay, I want to keep working here at Avian School after this one year. So I told my parents like, hey. I'm not going to apply to college again. I'll take two gap years. (laughs) This is my second one coming up. Oh, man. And they were like not really happy. But the pandemic was still going on. Yeah. And I think they know when I have my heart set on something. Yep. They can't make me stop. um, Because I know it's meaningful for me. And they were able to support me while also saying like, I can't believe we're not going back to school. (laughs) Oh, man. I think that's the best thing about my parents. They can give their judgment. But at the end of the day, it's still your decision because it's your life. Yep. But then what happened was like when I was at 
like the one year mark when I'd already been set on like working at Abiyan School for the second year and the foreseeable future, but mm-hmm. I didn't tell my parents that. Mm-hmm. I came up with the idea for back school. Okay, so how what was the main idea and what triggered that? Because again, there's there's incumbents in the ecosystem and they're quite you know established, I'd say. But for you to really take this head on and do it as fast as you have. Fucking impressive, man. But what was the trigger point? Was there inspirations? Because at the end of the day, us sort of founders, innovation is literally stealing shit from other things and combining it into something new. It's rare where you see something completely new that nobody's ever done before. There's always something that inspired someone to do whatever startup they're doing. What was that for you? So Backscoop started as a newsletter, right? When I launched it, it's a newsletter that makes it fun and easy to stay updated with Southeast Asian tech and startups. Yeah. The basic idea is you get the news, all the important news you need to know in one email newsletter that you can read in like five minutes. Yep. So you don't have to read the news anywhere else and you can always stay mm-hmm. up to date. It's also easy to understand, easy to read. So yep. it's literally the best reading experience and the most convenient reading experience for you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to feel like FOMO because you have to read so many other articles, right? Yeah. And that came up because, one, I have always been a reader. So, mm. as I told you, I love reading books. I love yep. looking at the news. I love reading from the internet. Um, especially in my later years of high school, I was like always reading The Economist and The New York Times. This is where wow. like it's obvious that I'm pretty nerdy. <laughs> yep. And for me, I took the same mindset when I got into startups. I was like, okay, I have never had a job before. Okay. I've never worked at a startup before. The only thing I really knew about like tech and startups are like Facebook yeah. and companies like that, which are not really startups. So I told myself, okay, if I'm going to get into the world of startups, I have to learn about them as much as I can. Mm. So I was always reading startup news from yeah. Southeast Asia, from the Philippines, even from the US. Who are the interesting companies? Who are the hot companies? Who got funded? I wanted to know all of that. Right. Because as somebody who was sort of like starting my life again, because I ended like, that chapter of my life in high school. And it's like this whole new world of like work, yep. all these new people. I had to learn how to talk mm. the same way that they did. I had to know what's an API, what are the startups to talk about, who's yep. the interesting startup in the Philippines, in Indonesia, etc. So I was always reading the startup news every single day. And I realized that was actually very hard to keep up. Like yep. how many articles do you have to read a week just to know the latest news? Mm. But then I realized there were a few problems. Like one, it's not easy to understand. But I was like reading these and I was like, these can be explained in much, much simpler words. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like what the companies are doing can be explained in much simpler words. Yep. And sometimes you read an article and you're like, okay, but what does the company do? What's mm-hmm. the actual product? What's the yeah. problem they're solving? Like, so sometimes you read article and you don't know that. Yeah. Or sometimes the article is too long or too short. And another thing is that because there are so many players, mm. all of the news is spread out across the different players. And for some reason, there was no one player that had all the news. Mm, absolutely. So I told myself, okay, well, that's a problem. And because I was doing B2B sales with different startups across Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. I realized there were a lot of new startups coming up, especially from the Philippines. So I yeah. told myself, this is going to become a bigger and bigger problem. Yep. It's going to be even harder to keep up with the news. It's going to be even harder to say what fintech A and B are doing because right. there are going to be way more fintechs. Mm-hmm. So I told myself, this is a real problem. And mm-hmm. From what I learned about startups when I was working at a startup, it's that the most important thing is to be solving a real problem with real pressing needs. Exactly. So I told myself, well, I have the best like situation. There's a real problem with real needs and a real market for it. Mm-hmm. I understand the problem. I experience the problem. And I think I can actually build the solution. Mm. 
because I really like news. I really like reading. And I felt deeply passionate about this space. Mm -hmm. And the solution I had was maybe I can make it a newsletter because it would mm. centralize all the news, which solves the problem of it all being spread out across different places. Yep. I could curate the top news, which means everybody knows the most important things based on the newsletter. They don't have to read anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And the first few articles would be the must-know thing. So people don't even have to think, okay, which right. article do I have GLDRs, to read or not? technically. Yeah, and they don't even have to pick like, okay, which one should I read first? Because we've already told you, these are the two most interesting things you need to know about. Nice. Plus, we make sure that everything is really easy to understand. Whether you're working at a fintech, a yep. Web3 startup, or even outside of the startup space, we make it easy to understand what that company is doing exactly. So I thought, okay, I can build this newsletter thing. And so why shouldn't I do it? Mm. And at some point, I really asked myself, should, do I want to be a founder at this age? I was 19. That's just one year ago. And I knew that like, I just had one year of experience of work. Right. Who would take me seriously? I don't have a fancy Ivy League degree. Mm -hmm. I don't have five to eight years of experience under my belt. Mm -hmm. And I've also read that it's hard for women to get funding. So I'm like, you know, a lot of cards are not in yes. my favor. Mm -hmm. Like, who's going to fund me? But I told myself, you know, I've taken enough risk as it is, like taking these gap years. And yep. I'm due to keep <laughs> taking the second gap year anyway. Yeah, I might as well spend some time, spend this time doing a startup because that's like taking everything to the next level. Absolutely. Because there would be no other time in the world where I can take this opportunity in the same way. Mm. Because how can I build a startup like this when I'm in college? And how can I take the plunge when I'm an, an adult with maybe kids, right? right? I think I was in this perfect situation where the timing for the problem is already here and now. Yep. I think I can build a solution and I can accommodate the risk that it takes to build a startup because if I fail, well, my two-year gap year is going to end yep. in XYZ months. Right. I can just go back to school if it doesn't work. Absolutely. All right. Now, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's now talk about you taking advantage of that, again, perfect timing, the Goldilocks zone of when you want to take that plunge. And again, you did pretty darn well because you did get that funding. Well, let's talk about how you got all of that to work when we come back after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. 
You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and loans. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with Amanda Kuo who then told us how she was able to then take advantage of that Perfect opportunity in front of her, again, who saw that there's a gap on how people consume news, right? So you talk about it being a newsletter. How'd you build the MVP? Because again, we live in a world, especially during the pandemic. I've seen this happen in podcasts. Everybody wanted to have a podcast until they realized, holy shit, it's fucking hard, right? There's this thing called pod fading where it's easy to start, but it's hard to keep going. Right. And that's where you know your people are really serious about doing what they're doing. And you've been here over a year. How did you get that MVP out and how did you build traction over time? Because a lot of people will want to create something. But again, early on in your life, you already had flashes of you knowing how to get people's attention and that bulletin board hustle that you did in school. Right. But how did you then create that and 
how did you know you're really onto something? Because a lot of people, when they start out, they're not even sure. And again, most people shoot an air ball <laughs> when they try to shoot their first shot. How did that work? For me, when I started MaxScoop, I didn't really know a lot of people. I just knew the people from work, yeah. my clients, etc. Mm-hmm. And my knowledge of startups was from building Navion School with the founders and a lot of documents and resources online. So I spent a lot of time reading Y Combinator's, you know, startup resources. Nice. Because I didn't know any better. I tried to follow them by the book. YC School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also because, you know, Avian School later got into YC while I was still working there. So nice. I was lucky to be able to sort of see, like, what are the things that YC was teaching us and how did that change the way we work? Yep. And I also got, you know, exposure to the YC documents through that. Mm-hmm. So I followed it to the book. So launch was the first thing that I had in mind. I have to launch fast. So right. I only build the essentials. I built the website. Okay. Um, I All built... by yourself? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, there's a story there. Right. So I knew I needed a few things <laughs> okay. to launch. I needed a website for people to sign up. Okay. I needed an email platform to send out the newsletter. Mm-hmm. And I had to set it all up. Like I had to know what I'm going to write, etc. But it's mainly those two things that you need to start a newsletter. A place to sign up and yep. a place to send out the newsletter. Mm-hmm. So I tried to build that. I tried to figure out, okay, what are the things that have to be in this newsletter? What's it going to look like? What it's going to sound like? Mm-hmm. And I have to create the website. So I tried to create it my, on my own with no code because everyone says like, anyone can build a startup because there's no code. And that's definitely <laughs> true. Yes, to some degree. But mm-hmm. it's sometimes still hard to build something with yeah. no code. I have mm-hmm. to say that. So I just messaged a friend who told me, I can build your website for cheap. Okay. And it was really so much better. So I was trying to make a website for like one week. I had really ugly colors, really ugly designs, yep. really ugly format. Mm-hmm. And I was just so annoyed and frustrated. I was like, okay, I want to do the things that I'm actually good at. And I know I'm not good at this, like no code, code thing. <laughs> so I'm going to ask my friend to make this website for cheap because yeah. she can do it. Yeah. And boom, I had a website in like a week or two. Wow. So it took me a month to decide on everything, like the website, the newsletter thing, mm-hmm. and incorporating the company because I knew I had to incorporate Oh, you incorporated it. right away. Okay. I incorporated it right away. So those are the basic things. And then I set up social media accounts, etc. Nice. Just the basics. Okay. After one month, everything was set up and I launched it in August 2021. Wow. So that's how I built the MVP. I didn't know if I was onto something exactly. Like I didn't know if newsletters were the right way to solve the problem. But I mm-hmm. knew that the problem was real and I was spot on at the problem. That yeah. it was very hard to keep up with Southeast Asian tech news. And we yep. needed a more convenient, more easy to understand way to keep mm-hmm. up with the news that centralized all the important news. Yes. So essentially the newsletter was a test. I knew I had to get it out there to find out if it was working. Yep. Over time... You know, I launched it, got subscribers, I got feedback, etc. And I realized, you know, people like this newsletter. Right. Because after a few months, I had a few, couple of thousand subscribers. Wow. So obviously, I was onto something. Because uh. at some point, there were people who I didn't even know who were subscribing to it, who were pretty high-level people at different startups and bigger nice. tech companies. Mm-hmm. So definitely, if these people who are way smarter than me, way older than me, way more experienced than me, are <laughs> we'll reading sure. it, okay. then <laughs> like… Uh, we're reading it, right? Then I definitely am probably onto something. So yes. I kept publishing it and I mm-hmm. kept just following whatever feedback I was getting and improving on the newsletter. I went from one newsletter sent a week to four newsletters a week now. Ooh, wow. And yeah, I was just really building it up as I went. So, okay. I'm wearing my hustle share hat here because again, um, I can kind of relate, but our approach is very different. For me, the way I approach hustle share and this is me being the old fart that I am. <laughs> it's, it's two things. When I started out, it's really more of 
showcasing Filipino startup stories. That was the MVP that I'm trying to build. And I didn't want to do it in any form because I can't write for shit. I mean, I can, but it takes so much time. It's just so exhausting yeah, for me. Yeah, just do what you're good at and do what you enjoy. And one thing I'm freaking good at and everybody knows is I can fucking talk forever, man. So it's like, shit, I'm going <laughs> to marry these things. But I don't want to talk forever and repeat the same story to everybody. right? It's like podcast is the best way to go because it's in my normal state. Right? It's not something that I'm going to force myself to learn. It's in my fucking normal state. And as you can see, right? But inevitably, it became difficult in several fronts. First off, easy. it was easy to feature my easy friends. Like, you know, the, the Magellans of the world. You know, all these guys that are, again, within my first party network. That eventually, shit, I'm running out of people to feature. I was even intense at the first season of Hustle Share. I was doing twice a week. It's like, fuck, I can't keep up with this space. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also a founder full-time. It's not like this is my main hustle. So I got to pace it out where, number one, I won't burn out. And number two, I still get great stories at the same time. Yeah. Without it interrupting my main thing that I'm doing. But eventually, it became work and I had to find systems to get that done and featuring tech startups with a wide array of professionalism busyness and sometimes they're more accommodating some are freaking borderline assholes you're gonna have to bump into that how did you fill that pipeline of news to come up with because again sometimes for me I mean I'm just gonna say a cheat code the reason why people always think that I'm featuring only the ones that are featured because it's a cheat code. If Tech in Asia writes about it, E27 writes about it, Technode writes about it, like, all right, I've never heard of those founders. I'm going to reach out one or two weeks after they're on Hustle Share. Easy. But to dig deeper than that, I struggle with that because I don't have the time to really do my research. But once they get here, at least I can immortalize the story. For you, you're going to have to dig a layer deeper than that because you need to catch them when before that happens or at least right when it's about to happen so that people know about them. And building that pipeline is hella hard. Four years in of doing Hustle Share now, holy shit, it's so hard. How do you do this? How do you keep up and make sure that four times a week, you have an amazing startup story to put out? Remember the reason Backscoop started is because there was a lot of news already and there needed to be a place that centralized it. Mm. So the only reason or one of the only reasons Backscoop works now is because there's enough news to support it. Mm. So that was one thing. We are not the people to break the news. And that's not what our readers look for. They read us even if they've seen the news break because they like the way that we cover the story. They like the way we write. They like the information we put and all these other things. Mm -hmm. What we do is we centralize it all in one place so they know where to look after as well. Yeah. So I started by just compiling what I saw from other platforms and then just writing it in an easy to understand way with more information, etc. And, you know, keeping it concise. But as I grew, startups were reaching out to me. VCs were reaching out to me. PR firms were reaching out to me and saying like, hey, can I send you our news ahead of time? And that slowly built up. Um, And now I also, you know, I get a lot of news inbound right now. So it's not really a struggle to find the news. Yeah, I agree. At one point, it became, so it was a three-step process for me. First off, I had to really pitch probably through the first season. Like, hey, can I interview you? I would even go bring a big, big ass duffel bag to just like, yo, can I interview you? And then to, it came to a point where like, shit, it's so hard. So now my second network referring people, 
now to the point where people are the one like, hey, can I be on Hustle Share? Yeah. You know, that, so again, that takes time. Most people quit at the first start, uh, first stage. How did you keep persisting? Because I, again, I want to know two things. When did it become start becoming hard? Because most people quit, like what I said, especially youngins. And then how did you go over that hump to, again, reap the fruits of your labor that after that hard part, it starts to then pay you back? I think it's just because I know I'm not supposed to be a quitter and I'm not a quitter. Mm-hmm. There are lots of times where when I was in school, I could have quit. I ran for student council three times okay. because I lost the first two times. And I, was, you know, I still wanted to be a council member, be involved in the community and be able to really make change in the community. It sounds cheesy, but I didn't yeah. really run because I just wanted a title. I actually wanted to do stuff as a council wow. member. And the first two times I lost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's easy to like say like, okay, after two times you should just quit. Yeah. Because it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. In the third year, I ended up winning and I was like vice president of like the council, like wow. of the entire like high school. So I think that's one of the experiences that I had. And mm-hmm. there are lots of other experiences where like, low-key embarrassing myself or low-key feeling. So I think it was that mindset of like, you can always move forward. Nice. And knowing that growth mindset mm-hmm. exists. Like I saw that, you know, I ran for student council three times, but I ended up winning in the third time. Yeah. And I know that, you know, sometimes you just don't get it. So you just have to move on to the next thing and then like keep moving forward. Maybe you'll make it work. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of mindset when I was younger and those experiences helped me a lot in how I'm building Backscoop now because I know that, you know, if I persist, I keep figuring things out, I keep moving, I'm going to be on the right path Absolutely. at some point. I think like it's not really hard to find the news, but it's just hard to grow as a founder, get more responsibilities and juggle yep. that. I think it's more of that. <laughs> Plus like learning how to evolve yeah. your own personal strategies as a founder and as a business. Mm-hmm. So like what takes you from like zero to a thousand subscribers or zero to a hundred subscribers is not going to be the same thing mm-hmm. that takes you from 2000 to 5000. And mm-hmm. I had to figure that out constantly. Right. I think that was the hard part for me. It's not the news. It was juggling all the work plus like learning what strategies I had to change and figuring those out as the demands mm-hmm. um, grew. Okay. But it's not all rainbows or butterflies again. The thing about founder life and startup life is that Startups is probably one of the most brutal things <laughs> that you can do to yourself because somehow, some way, startups will just punch you in the face to, you know, humble you and again, kind of set you in the right path. Because again, it's not all wins that you're going to get. There's a trough of sorrow that we all have to go through. And again, what you do when you're in that dark times will then come in. So I want to understand what's the first punch that you took in the face in the scope of Backscube. And then how did you bounce back from that? Then how did you then keep piling on these experiences that made you better? I mean, I read about this stuff on LinkedIn sometimes, but I think the first time I really felt that was when my subscriber growth was really not changing. Like I was barely getting any subscribers for those weeks. And I felt like, okay, is is this like the end? Is like, is nobody (laughs) else going to subscribe anymore? Are these all the people who are interested? Uh-huh. And I was really, really upset because I was really trying to figure out different strategies and I was trying my best. And it's like I was writing the newsletter every day. I was trying these strategies. It's like my whole day is really working and it's pretty much very similar now. Mm-hmm. And there are many times where I really cried because I didn't know why it's not working and I really had to figure it out. But, you know, as I told you, like, it's not in my personality to quit. So it's just like, I just 
wanted to know like how long is this gonna take for it to work because i feel like you know why is it not working for like the longest time even though that's like that's not like three months but you know it felt like okay it was going up a lot before and it suddenly it's like not really working so is this like the plateau i think that was one of the harder parts for me Mm -hmm. that's amazing and we we all go through that because again there's this novelty at the start and eventually it plateaus and then again it will be a richter scale up and down up and down up and down again You'll get there, but don't worry. I guess you have all you titos and titas to support you because we've been there before, and that's why we have fucked up faces because we've been punched so many times in the face. But again, I love that you never quit. But last few questions before we let you go, because again, I'm pretty sure this is not going to be the last time we're going to be here, and we see I, hearing a lot from you because you also have something that you're going to be launching very soon. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. So my next question is, I wanted to ask, you know, because you've been exposed to so many founders and startups. And again, just from what you see, again, you're, you're very early, but you've also seen enough founders. What do you think are makes a, a good and promising startup? Because you've seen all of these startups again and again. Everybody, when they're trying to do a PR push, <laughs> is trying to put their best foot forward. But you kind of can smell from the BS in between. But from your perspective, because I, I get to see that. And I see that from a founder's point of view all the time. For you, what do you think are the components of a startup that has it? You know what I mean? Like this startup's onto something. I think there are lots of ways to describe it. I think some people would describe that as the amount of funding someone receives. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for me, covering so many startups in Southeast Asia, I look way beyond just the funding. Yeah. It's not about the funding at all, to be honest. Yeah, it's not about the number. You might have $10 million, but I see a leaky bucket. Good luck with that. There are lots of factors. I Uh mean, there's obviously like amount of funding. Sometimes it's correct. The ones with high funding are the promising ones. But you also have to look into, okay, who actually invested? What's the problem that they are solving, right? And what's been their progress? What are their metrics? Mm. I think for me, the most interesting startups covering so many are the ones that show something new. I Mm. think there are lots of startups that, okay, they're doing banking, they're doing neo-banking, they're doing corporate cards. Sure, that's exciting. But I think the stories that I feel like are promising and maybe not in the same way other people think are the ones that are a bit different because... At some point, when you're writing so many startup stories, you see like, okay, I've written about five five startups that have done the same thing. I get excited by a startup who's doing something entirely different. Yeah. And that's not to hate on people who are doing neobanks or corporate cards. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. that. But I feel like what I mean by promising are the ones that are trying to do something different. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that those are ones that are going to work, but they're going to figure it out. And Mm -hmm. I want to see if that works or not. Right. Because we all know that, you know, neobanking is going to work somehow because people yeah. need to digitize their banks. Absolutely. But I think what's exciting for me is like trying to see new technologies or new approaches to problems. Okay. And in Southeast Asia, where everybody is so different, because, you know, Indonesia, very different from the Philippines, Vietnam, very different from the Philippines. Like literally in some countries, like your buy now, pay later is not part of your checkout process or whatever I think no the buy now pay later does not affect your credit score in some countries but in some countries it does so I feel like apart from like having new technologies it's also new approaches that are very localized I get excited about those things nice Um, so beyond just the funding I think promising startups are the ones that you know you look at the investors they're good you look at the metrics they're good Mm. you know if you have access to them and you have to do your own due diligence as well of course. Um, researching what the company has done. DBTH, don't buy the hype. Yeah, because it's beyond just the hype. And another thing I like to look at in startups is are they doing something different or are they taking a new approach? Right. That's exciting to me. For me, I'll just add into that. 
at least because I get the benefit of really dissecting the founder's psyche, right? Uh, for me, I really get impressed because again, it's inevitable. It's like Thanos, right? It will hit you. What impresses me is when a founder, despite all the accolades and whatnot, is able to bounce back from a haymaker punch, a near-death experience. Because when a founder realizes how fragile startup life is, that again, over 90 plus percent of startups fail, and you're able to avert yourself from that near-death experience and learn and pile on from that. Because somebody can pivot and then pivot to oblivion, but pivot and be humble and learn how to really do that. That's when I really become like, shit, this guy's just a matter of time till he figures it out, right? Because all of us, whatever path we're taking, there's going to be a punch. It's nearly going to kill us, but what we do after that, whether you build a better team, you become a better founder, everything else in between is what really impresses me because at the end of the day, the buck stops with the founder. Whatever the type of people he or she chooses to surround herself, how to to take action, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, and how he learns from those experiences will make or break it. And sometimes it might cost him his his or own startup, but that's how I look at it. Again, just having that access to that. And again, you will have a deeper access to this because guys, Backscoop is not here for any accident because they will be launching their podcast very soon. So, Amanda, since you're launching your own podcast very soon, what should people expect in this podcast that you're launching out? I think what people should expect from our latest release, our podcast called One More Scoop, is I you like know it. getting to have. <laughs> One I know more I, scoop. We're keeping with the theme, right? Uh-huh. Ice cream. And, you know, getting the scoop. Yes. But I think what people should expect from the podcast is getting to speak with a founder, getting to hear from a founder who's really trying to be honest about where they come from, what are the experiences, what was difficult, what was not. Yep. Because I feel like, you know, I've covered news for such a long time, well, one year on Southeast Asian startups, but I've covered a lot of different startups. Right? Yep. But the funding announcement is just one really, really small oh, part man. of the equation. <laughs> right? That's the icing on the cake. Or That's actually, there's a cherry on top of the whole scoop right there. It's just totally different. Mm-hmm. And after meeting so many founders, you'll find so many interesting stories that come up from them. Yep. And the ways that they've started their careers, mm-hmm. got into their startups, are also unique and very, very interesting. Like, you'll be surprised yes. what these people have been through. Yes. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not. Yep. And I want to take this opportunity to get to sit down with them and have an honest conversation about, you know, what are their personal experiences and their personal journey to getting where they are and like the unfiltered, honest stories of like what was really happening behind the scenes. Absolutely. And again, I'm very, very excited with you. And again, what's it called? One More Scoop? Yeah, One More Scoop. All right. Just check it out wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And again, Thank you very much, Amanda, for doing such an amazing job and being on as a share. We, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the last time we're going to hear from you because you have your own podcast. And again, we're going to be here for sure because we have more iterations of Hustle Share. But again, this is not the end. So what's next for you guys in Backscoop? Where should they go if they want to learn more about you? You collaborate. Want to be featured and whatnot? And is college on the horizon? Or if that, we're going straight up. What's next for you guys? With Backscoop, we really started as a newsletter that makes it mm-hmm. fun and easy to stay updated with Southeast Asian tech and startups through our newsletter. Yep. Right? And that was our first product. Now, 
after a little over a year of building Backscoop, we're ready to expand uh, to more things, mm-hmm. to more products, and really be a media startup that focuses on Southeast Asia through a variety of products and content, right? So we yep. started with a newsletter. We'll be launching a podcast and we'll be <laughs> launching other things very soon. Right. So I think this next year for us is really expanding to become a bigger company instead of just being a one product company, right? And I think there's a lot to be excited about because Southeast Asia's ecosystem is also very much growing, maturing, and changing at the mm-hmm. same time. And we want to be the best place to get all the news about it and get to hear from the real founders that build these things. So Amanda, if they want to subscribe and join Backscoop and we have the scoop first dibs, where do they go and how do they do that? You just have to go on your phone or your laptop, your computer, wherever uh-huh. you have access to the internet and go to www.backscoop.com. As soon as it opens, just put your email and uh-huh. then hit subscribe and you'll get a free edition of Backscoop four times a week there um, you go. in your email. All right. Free edition. And again, check it out. It's the best source of the tech news in Southeast Asia. All right. Sounds good. Again, Anli Scoops up and coming again. We're rooting for you. And again, we're going to be here to just trudge on and uh, support you guys in Backscoop. And again, Amanda, thank you very much. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any type of podcast app, you see a five-star, give us a five-star so at least we can, you know, get incentivized, keep doing it. And again, if you did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of our tiny community, it's going to be the Hustleshare community on Facebook. Again, Amanda, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Ron. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Thank you.